0: Welcome to C-Cubed, Cantilever's Contracts and Current Events. This is where we talk about the news of the week and whatever else interests us. I'm Chelsea, and I am with my husband, Alex.
1: Hi. All right, so we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. Those of you who listen regularly uh, have been listening a little less regularly recently.
0: All two of you.
1: Yeah, all two of you.
0: And you know who you are.
1: You know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, there's been some delay in episodes. There's been a couple things. After the last episode that we recorded, we went camping And that cut into my editing time. And we
0: did use cots, and it was glorious.
1: It was fine. It took up the entire tent.
0: We just need a bigger tent.
1: Okay. Well, either way, went camping. Uh, That took over all of my editing time, ran into the week. Don't really have time during the week, and so it took a little while longer than normal to get it out. Uh, And then we, the following week, recorded an episode, and the audio was Terrible! It sounded so bad. We were super echoey and super loud. I tried to mess with the audio to fix it. Didn't work. So we just decided to toss that one out and we're like, maybe we'll re-record it. And then we were super busy and we couldn't even record anything last week. So we've just been super busy. Work has been super busy. It's probably the busiest two weeks of my entire year Mm -hmm. that just passed. Uh, So that's why there was no podcast. Uh, I know Chelsea has been super busy with school. You guys missed out on the episode with Messed Up Audio. We talked about climate change and gender reveals. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we missed out on that. It was really good you guys missed out on a really good conversation. (laughs) Anyway, unless we have any more housekeeping. Uh,
0: Well, I should say the thing to take from two weeks ago that didn't make it is Don't use smoke bombs for your gender reveal parties.
1: Yeah, that's good. A PSA, public service announcement. Mm -hmm. Don't use any really any kind of pyrotechnics uh, for your gender reveals, especially if you're in a place that is very flammable like Southern California is.
0: And if you don't have ideas for how to reveal the gender of your baby, send us an email.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's on there. Go to the show notes. We will let you know. Originally. I've got
0: at least five on the top of my head. Oh, gosh.
1: Okay, so now I think we're going to move on to the architecture question of the week.
0: Oh, this one's good, you guys.
1: Yeah, just so you know, during the last episode, there was also an architecture question, and I totally got it right. I guessed it without having any options.
0: That's not true. No, it is. No, What? Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You guessed
0: half of it.
1: Okay. Well, I guess the most important half. The
0: question was, what is the architecture of Notre Dame? Of
1: the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Yeah. And I said Gothic.
0: And it's French Gothic.
1: Okay. Well, it's in France, so that's repetitive.
0: I mean, it's so easy.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, you picked the question, not me. Anyway, but since you all did not enjoy that... We are going to have Chelsea do another architecture question.
0: Okay. What does the term identification of place mean?
1: Identification of place. Yes. Okay. Let me. And
0: not that this would be helpful for you, but it's a term that comes from Simon Unwin and his analyzing architecture, third edition.
1: Uh, yeah, so obviously I have that entire book memorized. It's my book. Whatever. It is. <laughs> well, the, it is
0: a book, but the the term I'm pulling out of is just like a chapter.
1: That's fine. I read again. Like I said I have the whole book memorized. So when we get near the end of the episode, I will be able to tell you exactly what whatever it was you asked identification. me identification of place. Yeah. Okay. I got. to totally remember. <laughs> okay. Okay, so with that very easy question.
0: You'll just have to wait and find out.
1: Yep, yep, yep. With that very easy question, we are going to move on to the news of the week. The only big news item that we're going to talk about this week is the uh, passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away last Friday at the age of 87 uh, from pancreatic cancer. It was actually the fifth bout of cancer that Justice Ginsburg went through. Uh, she was appointed in 1993 by President Clinton. Uh, she had been on the D.C. Circuit for about, I think, 10 years prior to that. Uh, she was a staunch, quote-unquote, liberal justice. As of 2020, she was the second most liberal justice only to Chelsea, only to which other justice on the Supreme Court?
0: Who else is liberal?
1: Yeah, yeah. Who is the oh, most liberal on the court? Quote, unquote, liberal.
0: It's not Thomas.
1: Oh, no, that's opposite. He's no. the most conservative, probably.
0: There's, there was a swing person.
1: But that wouldn't be them because they would be the swing yeah. and not the most I liberal. don't know. Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who okay. was appointed to the bench by President Obama. So Justice Ginsburg in her tenure had a couple of big cases, big decisions that she wrote. The biggest probably was the U.S. versus Virginia, which was a case that made it so that women could attend the Virginia Military Institute, mm. um, which had been on only male school prior to that. She also authored the opinion in Friends of the Earth versus Laylaw, Law, which is an environmental law case of outstanding much less interesting but a a big important decision as well you know when I heard about this on Friday there was a couple of immediate feelings Mm -hmm. right so there was like obviously the initial like I feel really bad for her family because that's a big family loss I'm sure she was a huge matron figure in her family right so losing someone of not just such renown but also I'm, I'm sure such importance to that family I was like oh that's like a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. But also I felt like a rock in my stomach for the nation as a whole. Obviously, the first thing is that the the country lost and obviously a, a very intelligent and very dedicated public servant. Mm-hmm. I did not always agree with Justice Ginsburg's mm-hmm. jurisprudence, but it's obvious that she was very dedicated to the country. Yeah. Uh, but also the timing of her passing is terrible mm-hmm. because we're all we've already talked about before how divided everything is and this is just one more huge thing for everyone to argue about i mean it didn't take but two hours from the announcement when the leader of the senate uh, mitch mcconnell was already talking mm-hmm. about we will nominate someone it's like Come on, guys.
0: Yeah, but isn't that kind of their job, like, to do that, to go forward and and have something to say? I mean, I wonder if it's something, I don't know. I just wonder if it's something where they're like, man, I really don't want to have to do this, but this is literally my job.
1: I don't think so. I don't (laughs) think that's what Mitch McConnell was doing. (laughs) I, I mean, I really don't. And it was not necessary at all for him to make a statement if, if he had not made yeah. a statement the night of, what ill would there have been on his part? Nothing. The vote's not going to happen tomorrow mm-hmm. or not going to happen the next day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He could easily have said, our hearts go out to Justice Ginsburg's family. The nation has lost uh, a great public servant. Mm-hmm. And that is all. End statement. There would have been nothing. Yes, of course, eventually everyone knows that Mitch McConnell is going to say, we're going to put a replacement Forward, we're mm-hmm. going to vote on a replacement. But it was completely unnecessary mm-hmm. to make that statement yeah. the night of. Yeah. But as is the norm, we have already moved on to who Justice Ginsburg's replacement is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been less than a week, and we're already talking about this. Yeah. So a couple of things about this: this is not Ginsburg's seat. It's just a seat. There's no necessity or responsibility that, that President Trump nominate a woman or a liberal to mm-hmm. fill the seat left by the death of a liberal woman right. on the court. Though the two top contenders for the spot are women. Right. So we have... And
0: he's claimed that it will be a woman.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's going to be a woman. I don't think there's any question about that.
0: Even though there's, you know ten other names down
1: yeah but the list is so st- the list he put out was so stupid it was never gonna be that list
0: well the reason you have to put out a list right is because you don't want to play favorites
1: well yeah so especially this time so for those who don't know the president put out an a, a list of people
0: the short list
1: the short list but he put that out like a week or two ago. Like before mm. this whole thing happened,
0: yeah, before her death,
1: yeah, before Justice Ginsburg's death, and it was all like, okay, these people are never going to get on the court. These people are never going to get again. These people are never going to get on the court. And Barbara Lagoa, mm-hmm. okay, maybe,
0: yeah, she and looks good on paper, right?
1: yeah. And so that's someone we'll talk about here in a second. But okay, the two main contenders for the for the seat. Are Amy Coney Barrett, um, who is forty-eight. She graduated from Notre Dame Law School in nineteen ninety-seven. She clerked for Justice Scalia. Oh, cool! Uh, After clerking for Justice Scalia, she uh, she went into private practice for three years, then began teaching at the University Mm -hmm. of Notre Dame Law School. Um, and then was appointed to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in 2017 by President Trump. Mm-hmm. So she's only been on the court for three years. Yeah. So not a very not a super long time as a judge. Mm-hmm. Very smart conservative jurists and conservative attorneys love her.
0: Mm-hmm. Her um, life.
1: Yeah, she's got an interesting. So when she was nominated last time, Senator Feinstein. Uh, a senator, I think from California, made a weird statement. Judge Coney Barrett is very Catholic, Mm -hmm. very Catholic, as in seven kids Catholic, two of which are adopted from Haiti. Mm -hmm. And Feinstein said to her, and I quote, the dogma lives loudly within you, and that is a concern in talking about her religious beliefs. (laughs) So, I mean, she's very, very religious, very conservative, has said that those religious values uh, shouldn't come into play when you're a judge.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: When you are judging the law, obviously everyone has a moral background they come from, but she's not been a judge for a super long time. She's been in academia, and that's a common place that people go before they become judges. The other candidate is Barbara Lagoa age 52. Uh, she graduated from Columbia Law School in 1992. She's the daughter of Cuban immigrants who mm-hmm. um, left Castro's, Cuba. After finishing law school, she became a prosecutor, a federal prosecutor, was appointed to Florida State Court in 2006, then the Supreme Court of Florida in 2019, and then the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals in uh, later in 2019. So she has much more time on the bench mm-hmm. than Amy Coney Barrett does. Yeah. Uh, she's been on the bench since 2006, so 14 years as a judge, only less than a year, I think, as a federal judge. Mm-hmm. I think the odds-on favorite is for Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. So the question really comes down to, should this seat be filled?
0: Oh, why?
1: So you, you haven't thought about that at all? No. Okay, so I'll tell you why. Uh, no one has been nominated for the Supreme Court in an election year since the 1930s. Right. So there is a long precedent of Supreme Court justices not being nominated during a election, election year. year. Got it. Yeah, and of course it is within the president's power to do this. Yeah. It's within his power to nominate and for the Senate to approve.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I have thought about this, but I mean, Trump is going to nominate someone. I mean, to have someone uh, nominated and then go ahead and go through as a judge, uh, as a president, that's a big deal. And I mean, Trump is all about big deals and getting his name out there. So why wouldn't he?
1: No, I think that he is. I think that he is going to. Yeah. Yeah. But the question is if he should or not.
0: Oh, he doesn't care. Oh, I know I know he
1: doesn't care. I'm not talking <laughs> to him. I'm talking to you.
0: I mean, look. I am biased because I have I share a lot of the ideals that Amy Coney Barrett or AC, has. ACB. ACB. Oh my gosh, all these dumb acronyms. Like why can't we just call her Amy? So, to have her be in the Supreme Court I'm like, yeah, that that sounds good to me. And so, you know, the Biden campaign is going nuts and, you know, saying he shouldn't nominate someone because it's a it, it just feels like a gentleman's rule kind of thing. Like there's
1: it is, this is what's called a norm.
0: Well, first of all, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised when the Trump campaign follows gentlemen rules, like when the Democratic convention was going on and Trump didn't try and steal the spotlight, that was a pleasant surprise. So to have people get upset about this or say, no, it's wrong. I'm like, come on, guys, <laughs> it's been four years. <laughs> you're not you're not used to this by now. And so, yeah, I I understand how it's a big deal because to have, you know, another conservative vote on the Supreme Court is a big deal, right? So I I understand why the Biden campaign and the left side is trying to do something about this, but they're not going to succeed in convincing Trump not to nominate someone for Supreme Court.
1: I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I I I think the question still stands as to whether he should. I mean, I personally don't think that he should. That's hard to say because I am probably most conservative of all my political views in my jurisprudence, so I have a very strong opinion on how judges should rule, uh, which is with the text of whatever the law is, and that is not the way that Justice Ginsburg Ruled. Mm-hmm. It's whatever she thought was best normally mm-hmm. on big cases, on important cases, on littler cases. She followed the law, but on constitutional law cases or cases of what we normally think of as like social issues, she basically evaluated the law in the way that she thought it should be and not the way that the law actually was. And so the idea of putting someone like Amy Coney Barrett on the court is like so tantalizing because she has that textual lists or original list jurisprudence. By the same time, I'm like, this is just more fuel to the fire of division. And we all know that politicians are hypocrites. During the nomination of or the attempted nomination of uh, Judge Merrick Garland at the end of Obama's presidency, the Republicans were like, "Oh, we never bring for a vote anyone during an election year." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some people couched it in when the presidency and the Senate are split between different parties, but oftentimes they didn't. They said, "We don't do this during the last during during the last year of a presidency," mm-hmm. and so it just lays bare the hypocrisy. Yeah, but at the same exact time. The Democrats were saying, no, you have a constitutional obligation to bring Judge Garland in for a vote. Mm-hmm. And now the roles are flipped. Yeah. Right now, the Republicans are saying we have a constitutional obligation and right to bring him in for mm-hmm. a vote, mm-hmm. and the Democrats are like, We don't do this during a lot la- during the last <laughs> uh year of a presidential yeah. term, and so it's just, everyone sucks here, everyone's so bad, you
0: know. But this is so predictable, I don't know. I saw this coming from a mile away, I guess. I don't know, and so I think what's gonna happen is Amy Coney Barrett is going to get nominated and going to eventually be into in the Supreme Court and then we'll see who becomes president.
1: Yeah, and so we'll see what happens. The the Democrats have threatened a whole bunch of stuff.
0: I'm shaking.
1: No, no, but they've threatened <laughs> things that they can actually do. So, one of the main things something that they've mm-hmm. wanted to do for a long time or something that the far left has threatened to do. Yeah. for several years which is pack the court right so packing yeah. the packing the court is the idea of increasing the number of justices so that you will win mm-hmm uh, the Constitution does not lay out the number of mm. justices on the Supreme Court it just says there will be a Supreme Court and this is how you nominate them and they have life appoint they have life ten It doesn't say how many justices there are, and it's fluctuated. It's been nine since like the 1860s or something, 1870s. So it's been that way for a little while, but there's been more, uh, there's been less. During FDR's presidency, he threatened to pack the court. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, they started doing what he wanted to when he threatened to do that, right? And so they've threatened that if they take the presidency and they take the Senate, they're going to pack the court. They'll yeah. add like four more justices, keep it odd, but make it sure that they have the the, vote. the yeah. votes. Yeah. Right. Uh, they've been threatening to do that for a couple of years now. Now, Joe Biden has never threatened to do that. Uh, he's never advocated for that. And we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to this point, he's refused to answer whether or not he will pack mm-hmm. the court. Yeah. They've threatened to do a couple other things that aren't really within their ability, like to give term limits to justices for like 20 years that would require an amendment to the Constitution. <laughs> so not very likely. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's just, first off, if this was a normal president, he mm-hmm. would probably be a favorite for re-election. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't be a bit as big of a deal. Right. Right. He could just wait. Yeah. And... Then nominate after he was elected and say, see, I, good faith, waited until the election was over, mm-hmm. but he's not favored. No. Right now, 538s prediction has him at, I think, 22% chance of winning, which is not nothing. Yeah. That's, you have 100 cups in front of you, 22 of them have President Trump winning in them, and the other... Seventy-eight have the words "Biden wins" in them, but that's not great odds for a incumbent. Right. So there's a very good chance he won't get nominated one. So it makes sense that he wants to try and ram someone through mm-hmm. in a very short amount of time.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I feel like you're damned if you do, you da- you're damned if you don't. Because if he waits and then doesn't get the presidency, well, then that's wasted um, for him. And if he goes ahead and moves forward with it and does win the presidency, then I guess that that's good for him. But if he loses, then at least he got someone through.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, here's this thing, and it, this may be too tactical or strategic by half. If he nominates someone, they get approved,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Biden says, I'm not going to pack the court, Yeah, then... You could have conservatives who might have voted for him
0: mm-hmm. if they
1: thought the Supreme Court was on the line, mm-hmm. who then say, we have the court. Yeah. I don't like you. Yeah. Why would I vote for you? Right. If I know that the the, the court is secure, why would I vote for you? Mm-hmm. I might be showing my own hand a little bit there, <laughs> but but there's that chance. But I think that's probably a little cute, too cute by half But, yeah, I mean, it's just really unfortunate. I was really hoping that Justice Ginsburg would hold on for a few more months (laughs) just out of pure spite, which I know she's been surviving on (laughs) during all of Trump's presidency. Yeah. Unfortunately, she couldn't. And, again, it's a terrible Mm -hmm. loss, a um, huge liberal icon, lover or hater. She was uh, obviously very intelligent and Mm -hmm. and a, a very good person and a very close friend, like best friend of Justice Scalia, so that's one of the most liberal justices versus one of the most conservative and the most well-known on both sides. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was uh, a passage in a book from Judge Jeremy Sutton, who used to clerk for Justice Scalia and was not clerking at the time, was a judge at the time, um, but was visiting uh, with Justice Scalia near the end of his life. And Justice Scalia's death was sudden. Right. During one of my last visits with Justice Scalia, I saw striking evidence of the Scalia-Ginsburg relationship. As I got up to leave his chambers, he pointed to two dozen roses on his table and, and noted that he needed to take them down to Ruth for her birthday. Wow, I said. I doubt I have given a total of 24 roses to my wife in almost 30 years of marriage. Boo. Yeah, pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> You ought to try it sometime, he retorted. Unwilling to give him the last word, I pushed back. So what good have all these roses done for you? Name one five, four case of any significance where you got Justice Ginsburg's vote. Some things, he answered, are more important than votes. Mm-hmm. I let him have the last word. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that just shows the, the closeness, and the closest that I wish the left and the right could have in the country, as, a, in, as in general, we didn't treat each other as enemies, but as friends who disagreed on things, right? Yeah. But that's not where we're at right now. So, nope. Um, all right. So, Chelsea, you have a COVID update for us.
0: COVID, COVID.
1: Do- guys, guys, <laughs> just as a brief, we're doing okay. Especially here in New Mexico, we're doing good things, starting to open. We can eat inside again. Yeah. Uh, what else can we do again?
0: First, I should say, Apparently, every Wednesday, the list of low-risk and high-risk states is updated for New Mexico. So, high-risk states means that if you travel to those states, you must quarantine for 14 days. Yeah.
1: Okay, so guys, let me list (laughs) off the uh, low-risk states for you. That is Washington State, Michigan, New York, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., New Jersey, um, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Oh, and Hawaii. Everyone Hawaii. else, everywhere else. do not go there. It's
0: red. It's like a sea of red.
1: It's a sea of red. It's a sea of everywhere else sucking worse than we are
0: and and then we are there in blue with our state flag. symbol. yep, the Zia symbol. the
1: Zia symbol, which we uh, culturally appropriated. So <laughs> make sure you scrub that off there,
0: ok. Um, so yeah, if you have plans to go to any other state than the ones we listed, I won't be seeing you for two weeks. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Um, but as of five days ago, uh, we are now permitted, or we are now permitting youth sports practice and skills development. Of course, no more than 10 people.
1: Of course.
0: Um, competitive contact play is off limits. So I'm like, "What? What youth sports practices?" Baseball. Baseball. Swimming. Okay, I'm going to get to that in a second. It's also permitted that camping for New Mexico residents at open state parks, but of course, no more than 10 in a group. That is effective October 1st.
1: Nice, just when it gets cold enough.
0: Yep. And most state parks are closing to camping. Nice. So at least campgrounds. I mean, you can still go and pitch a tent in the forest if you are that hardcore. And if you are, I am willing to bet you don't sleep on a cot. Okay. (laughs) Um, Also permitted for New Mexico, pick your own pumpkin patches. That's the phrase they use, which is super weird. But basically, you can go and pick a... pick a pumpkin from a pumpkin patch sure the state is still talking about issuing guidance and covid safe practices to other autumn activities like corn mazes and haunted houses nice so they have like i don't know a couple or less than a week about a week until october to figure that out i would assume i don't know Also permitted ice skating rinks for hockey and figure skating lessons in groups. Swimming pools also are permitted up to 10 people at a time, but masks must continue to be worn. So how do you swim with a mask on? So
1: I assume you don't have to wear them in the pool, but I don't know.
0: Okay. Just whenever you get out. I guess like immediately. Okay. Also, all you hockey and ice skaters get those... Skates I'm waxed. Glad,
1: I'm, I'm glad that they were considered in this great winter sports <laughs> state that we have.
0: I know. I don't know anyone who who practices or like is in hockey.
1: No, I have no idea. Skating. We we're really big, kind of kind of big on skiing and snowboarding here, yeah, but no. We hockey.
0: have like one or two rinks, yeah, in like all of New Mexico. I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. So it's interesting. Also in sadder news, uh we hit the two hundred thousand death toll uh due to the pandemic. Uh I think either today or yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. And two thirds of those who died were over sixty five. Okay, do you wanna do light item or get to the question? Light items. Okay. So, let me start this next segment off like this. Here we go. (laughs) Alex has not seen any movies in his entire life. Alex has... I don't know if he was deprived as a child (laughs) or, like, didn't have television. Because, like, VeggieTales, forget it. Um, Joseph's Dream, you know, all those awesome kind of Christian movies... Forget it. Didn't
1: grow up in the church.
0: Um. Yeah, that is part of it. But then, like, movies like Black Cauldron. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, which is basically witchcraft, and I saw that as a child growing up in a Christian home. Don't to tell you. Um, and then. Well, tell us the movie that you would like to critique today.
1: So, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go a little stroll down memory lane. The year is 1999. The movie is *Quest for Camelot*.
0: *Quest for Camelot*. People, he has not seen. I think that until
1: I don't know if very many people. I don't know if very many people have seen this movie.
0: I'm in shock.
1: Listen, okay. So, (laughs) Quest for Camelot movie came out in 1999. It is animated. um, It was released by Warner Brothers. Mm
0: -hmm. It had a
1: budget of $40 million. Okay. It had a box office of $38.1 million. So, it made less than its budget. And let me tell you why. Because it's not very good. Okay. Listen, it's... I I mean, I don't know any other word for it, but it's very, very chintzy. Do you know what that word means? Tell us. So let me give you what that word means. It is used informally in North America as meaning cheap and of poor quality. Wow. Yeah, sorry, but that's what it is. The music was not good. (laughs) Uh, The... When the guy sang, it was like I was being transported <laughs> and not in any good way. It was so strange. I there were I know listen, I know it's not high cinema, but I was noticing plot holes and weird contradictions constantly throughout the movie. So at the beginning of the movie, the guy who's no obviously spoilers Okay it's guys, it has been twenty years. <laughs> It's too late The expiration date has run Alright At the beginning of the movie The guy who is Obviously the bad guy And why he would be On King Arthur's court In the first place No idea Anyway Goes crazy Kills one guy runs away out of the chamber where the round table is, closes the door, and then puts a bar down on the outside of the door. Why is there a bar on the outside of the
0: door? Who are you trying to hold in? This is what I had to deal with throughout the entire movie. Well, you wouldn't... I am just... Trying to enjoy my nostalgic childhood memories.
1: Well, listen, it's not my fault for us that your nostalgic childhood memories are filled with terrible movies. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Anyway, so the singing was bad. The animation was bad. You could see what was happening from a mile away. And listen, I know it's not high cinema. I get it. I understand. Okay,
0: you want to know why that movie is so...
1: Listen, I'm going to get to what she's going to say right now. And it's not... There, there was like this faux, strong, female oh character. Gosh.
0: Yeah, but that's what it was back in 1999. That's yeah. that's what we got. And so whatever little portion us poor little girls could grab hold to of... That's what we had to do.
1: Listen, it was terrible. Like everything like she's just drawing her strength, but it comes from my dad. Like every time. I'm living for you. Right, it's so and then she gets she gets saved by the blind guy. Oh oh my gosh. I'm sorry, but it's just like she's she's so weak that she gets saved by the blind guy. I, it was, listen guys, if you have a nostalgic memory of this movie, then I'm happy for you. That's good. Wow. That's good for you to have. Wow. People who Because
0: he doesn't have that.
1: People who... For any movie. That's not true. (laughs) But people who have not seen this movie, I would recommend that you pass. And now we'll move on to whatever... Other terrible movie Chelsea has for me to watch that (laughs) that I was so deprived of. There's a list, people.
0: There's a large list.
1: Yeah, and they all have Metacritic scores of below twenty. I'm sure. Anyway, not good. Two thumbs down. Would not recommend. (laughs) Oh (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Anyway, I thought that was good. That went well.
0: What?
1: My tearing apart of your hopes and dreams Mm -hmm. in your childhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like your hair right now, by the way.
0: I'm going to destroy you with this question.
1: (laughs) Are you going to do any light items or are you just going to stay on the question? I'm going to move on. That's fine. Okay, cool.
0: Okay, so the question is what does the term identification of place mean? Now, this is a basic architectural question in that it focuses on the use of basic architectural elements and I can give you what those are because the whole point is to kind of steer away from this idea of architecture is a building okay um and so the basic elements of architecture according to Simon Unwin's analyzing architecture are these The ground, space above, light, gravity, and time. Okay, so those things, think about what those things don't mean. You know, it's not talking about yet, at least. It's not talking about a building. Okay. Right? Sure. So think about what can be constituted as identification of place without a building. Think about what we do when we don't have a building, and we need to identify a place for ourselves.
1: I mean, so this is a pretty amorphous concept, but I I guess it's the idea that you sort of like take in the surroundings, you take in what's around you, the light, the shape of the space, how much room you have, um, and and just the, the qualities of the space, right, to figure out... Okay. What What does this space allow? What are the parameters that I can work with? Um, what is it that this space needs? How could I improve it? How could I make this place worse? I want to try and avoid those things. That's what what my thought of of identity of space is, and it, I only got there because of the explanation. And it may be completely wrong.
0: No. So I think I think you're. Um... You're getting there. Okay. Um. So Simon Unwin talks about, if you imagine the prehistoric family, right? Sure. Uh, Paleolithic times. Um, you know, there wasn't necessarily a building that they went to and they were travelers. So if you imagine, you know, going on a road trip and you and your family are going camping, right? Like you have the car that is your means of travel there. But then when you get to a campsite or let's say you go to the beach, there's nothing there for you yet to inhabit in okay. the in the sense of this is our place, right? And yep. so you use things that you either bring or that you can find around to create this place for you and your family. And a lot of times, like, We think of the fireplace, at least in Paleolithic times, was the center of their lives. Fire was very important to survival and things like that. And it's still important, you know, today for warmth and comfort, right? And so that's a big part of identification of place. And so ways of identifying places comes from a variety of things, right? And it's not just one person but maybe a collaboration of people or a collaboration of things. And that means that this place changes a lot. So, I mean, there's a lot more that we can get into, but that's like the basic idea. And it's really important for architecture, at least for Simon Unwin. Um, And was one of the first readings I had in the beginning of my architecture education and was really, was a reading that I have taken with me throughout my educational career. So, yeah, I think you got that one. Nice. Yeah, it's a lot deeper than even what it. I talked about, but that's kind of the basics and it's really important.
1: Okay. I will have the question next week. I already have an idea.
0: Oh, good.
1: Yeah, it's not going to be good.
0: <laughs> For me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of C-Cubed. We hope you enjoyed it, and we would love for you to subscribe and give us some feedback. Rate us and let us know what you think. And we also have an email that you can send questions or comments to as well, and that will be in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.